Happy New Year and welcome to a very special year-end episode of the Healthcare Marketing Underground Podcast. This is episode 282 and I am Chris Bevelo, EVP at Revive Health. Joining me today are Chris Boyer, SVP at Revive Health. And Dana Weymouth, Operations Manager at Revive Health. Happy holidays, Chris and Dana. Thank you, sir. Happy holidays to you. Where was everybody over the holiday, at least the last holiday weekend, the Christmas weekend? I spent the weekend in Colorado, and we had a wonderful white Christmas. It was really nice. And I was in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Didn't go anywhere. It was also very nice. But was it, it's not white Christmas there, is it, Dana? It's warm, warm, warm. High 70s. It's weird. Yeah. Really Are weird. you supposed to get smacked by the time this thing is done? Aren't you supposed to get some major, like it's called the Winter Storm Goliath or something like that? I hope not. <laughs> oh, man. I know it's going to get cold, but I hope it's not on that uh, proportion. Oh. It's, I think Nashville is going to be spared the, the bulk of it. Yeah, I think we missed the worst, but the, we'll definitely get some ice. We're really good at that one. That's, that's your favorite? That's your, yeah. your secret sauce is ice? Ice, and no one knows how to drive in it, so it's awesome. Yep. Yes. All right, cool. So this is a very special year and episode, so we're going to try to recap the year in a, in a number of different ways. Uh, and then maybe speak a little bit to 2016, but we'll save the bulk of 2016 talk for 2016. How about that? Mm -hmm. uh, so we have a number of resources that we're going to pull from. People that are uh, longtime listeners of the podcast will remember that a lot of times, um, I think for the last three or four years we've done, we reviewed the Google zeitgeist, um, which either isn't out or they don't call it that anymore or, we're not sure what the situation is, but we do have the top um, trending searches for 2015. So we'll look at those. Uh, but we thought we'd start with uh, an article that Chris Boer, you found from Modern Healthcare mm -hmm. about the top stories of 2015. Now, this is healthcare in general. We'll get a little more specific uh, in terms of marketing and branding here in a, in a second. But um, this story is just about uh, healthcare. And I don't know if you guys got a chance to read it. Um, there are some things that, that stand out to me. Like, I can't believe that healthcare now is up to $3.24 trillion. I mean, I always remember it being quoted right around the $2 trillion mark. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah. That's I, crazy. I know. And I, I don't remember. I, I have also been, when I saw that number, I was surprised at how, how large it was. And I'm wondering where that additional, how are they counting that and how are they adding? I mean, how does it all come together and where did suddenly all this money, I mean, much more in this market now. So I don't think it's, I don't, we're not talking a 50% increase in 2015. I mean, I think that the two trillion in my mind has probably been around for a while, but mm -hmm. um, it's also interesting because they talk about how healthcare costs have been, um, like flattening. That's not the same as the overall expenditure in the economy of healthcare, but in terms of what consumers pay uh, for care, that's been flattening. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so the number one trend in here is really interesting. Uh, and that's the high drug price conversation. Uh, 
particularly, and it quotes it here because of the, what do they call him? What's his nickname? Oh, the, oh, that one guy with the AIDS drugs. Yeah, but he's got a name. He's called yeah. the bro something. <sighs> yeah. Well, he's in all kinds of headlines, yeah. Well, he just got arrested recently for, for like Ponzi scheme. Fraud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or something, what yeah. What is his nickname? The bro... Uh, I'll I'll try to find it here. It's the bro something. It's not meant in a in a positive way. But yeah, so he's a hedge fund guy who bought Turing Pharmaceuticals and increased a drug five thousand percent. Then got a lot of flack for it and said he wasn't going to increase it. And then after some time went by, said no, actually we are going to increase it. And then was arrested. So uh, it's just drawn a spotlight on. how our pharmaceutical business in this country works, which is pretty screwed up. Mm-hmm. Things like we have it encoded in law that the number one purchaser of pharmaceuticals, which is the federal government um, and CMS uh, centers for Medicare something. What does CMS stand for? Centers for Medicare something. And Medicaid services. There you go. Um, they cannot negotiate with with pharmaceutical companies for lower prices. What mm-hmm. is that? Why do we do that? Like every other country in the world can do that, but we don't. We don't let our own government do that. It costs us billions of dollars a year, right? You're the number one buyer. You should be able to drive price down by threatening to not cover things, and we are not allowed to do that. And maybe that's right. why. Maybe people are afraid of that, but. That just seems asinine to me. That seems like a bipartisan, like, everybody could get behind that. Yeah, you would think that everyone could get behind that. Um, I, um, is, do you think that this might be due to the heavy lobbying on Capitol Hill? Oh, yeah, I'm uh, sure. And, you know, so, I mean, I think a lot of people are behind other controversial topics that have a lot of lobbyists behind them, <laughs> gun control. And so... Yeah, um, but that's not... That's you know, right. That's very partisan. That's what I'm saying about this. I don't see where the partisanship is in this. Like it is a, so for example, what would the, what would conservatives have a problem with? Um, to me, that's maybe it's the national, the federal government having too much power, mm-hmm. but that's the way a market works. So right. conservatives are typically market lovers. And so they would want, you know, the economic kind of, dynamics to 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 go um i i don't know i just it's weird to me it's definitely from the lobbying i why we would have that yeah well you know i was reading an article and this is well before um the martin what i don't even know how to pronounce his last name skelly or screlly or screlly pharma bro by the pharma way. bro there it is the pharma bro <laughs> um, they also uh, call him the hedge fund bro i think he's got a lot of bros he's, 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 he he's looks bro. like a, he looks like a db which is really um <laughs> synonymous with bro yeah. but i read an article on wired magazine about um transparency and pharmaceutical pricing and how how the prices of drugs after they go through the entire you know life cycle of R&D and through development and about how um, the, the, that there's a, a, a new trend of, of transparency hitting this, this segment as well in, our, in, in the healthcare industry and that we'll start to see some dramatic shifts downwards in pharmaceutical pricing um, as some of these regulations come through. I'll have to dig up that article and, 
and we'll post it on the show notes. But um, it's certainly something that people are paying attention to now. So, and then Pharma Bro helped with that, I guess. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. We'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a quote in here, by the way, that says total healthcare spending during 2015 actually grew faster than it has since the start of the Great Recession. So it had been slowing and flattening, but then we saw a big leap up. Um, faster growth rate prompted fears of return to higher high medical inflation. It's absolutely no surprise that spending went up because more people were insured, said Paul Ginsburg, a USC health economist. The purpose of covering them was allowing them to use more services. Um, I guess that's true. Mm-hmm. I guess that's true. Uh, what else is in here? Anything, you guys find anything interesting? Well, I mean, they, obviously they cover health insurance, um, which is a topic, right? Of discussion. The mergers, the mergers, everything around the mergers, the, 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 uh, I, I guess they lumped ACA into there, um, the ex- insurance exchanges, but that's really, a, was a hot topic that people were talking about. Um, but I think that, yeah, the mergers certainly was part of the news cycle for the last half of the year. Um, and you know, I think that this becomes this, this is just kind of a growing trend. This is, um, that consumers are spending more time now investigating about, whereas before, maybe two, three years ago, they weren't really, I mean, they, they, every year when, when they're, when it was time for open enrollment, they would review their insurance premiums and how to do their insurance. Um, and even though we had, uh, um, you know, uh, HSAs and other things to kind of support and make it more of consumer driven. I think that in general, people are spending more time now researching health insurance coverages, even if they're under like an HMO or a PPO plan. Um, Cause it's certainly becoming a, a topic of discussion and the trends here are kind of illustrating that for me, from my perspective. Okay. Thanks awesome. for, for me. Um, what stood out a little bit in, Part of what I am concerned with or deal with on a small scale daily is um, it was fascinating to see this quote that said the three largest healthcare data breaches recorded by HHS Office for Civil Rights occurred in uh, occurred in 2015, and I don't know how I just uh, pronounce that. I, I pronounced that last word there with like a French accent. And that was kind of weird. What? Breaches? <laughs> like, Breaches? I don't know what I just said. Oh. <laughs> that was odd. Um, Cord. But anyways, no, um, it happened. We'll go with that. Um, I didn't realize, obviously we all knew about, then it goes on, the worst healthcare breach. Um, but what sticks with me is that the Michael M- McMillan a little further down says that um, those things are happening in 2015 was really representative of that sort of thing um, being realized that we really are in a little bit of a, um, you know, state that security is tough to manage. It's tough to deal with hackers getting into some significant information. Um, but it, it, he made it sound like not a lot has been done to solve or kind of move forward with dealing with those types of data breaches. So it's a little bit of, um, you know, hey, this this look back at 2015, but, you know, we may be talking about this again in 2016 as well. I'm sure. I'm sure we will. I don't feel like we've even begun to see the tip of the iceberg on this. There's been huge breaches, but what's really come of them? I mean, right. there hasn't been 
it's kind of like, think about it this way. There have been, you know, computer or data breaches for 10 years, 20 years probably. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, the, the big one that we can remember is the Sony one because what happened with the data breach actually impacted people and impacted an industry and had huge negative implications for the company involved and people involved with the company. We're not seeing that with healthcare right now yet, right? I mean, we hear about these hacks, we hear about the data breaches, we know that patient records, you know, have been compromised. But when you think about it, there's a little bit of a, okay, and? Yeah. What does that mean and what, what does that matter? And mm-hmm. if my patient record was compromised, what is that doing? I mean, there's a lot of speculation that some of these hacks are from China and that they're, you know, just like they ha- they've hacked the federal government, um, they're looking for anything they can use against people down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, that's so like beyond what most people worry about on a day-to-day basis. So I, I think we're going to continue to see these and it's not going to be until we have like a, a healthcare version of Sony that it really becomes a front page issue in our world. I don't know, boy, what you think about it? No, I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, you know, even I think the, the underlying root here of the concern about healthcare data is not necessarily that, you know, so, Oh no, someone will now knows when I get my colonoscopies done or whatever. I think it's more around that, that might be related to, um, to, de- uh, to identity theft, you know, having your social security number, having yeah. details about you that could be, I think that right now is where the most concern would be if someone heard that their data got breached, their insurance data got breached. Of course, that's my opinion. But um, mm-hmm. I think that that's really the, the concern. Uh, you know, the whole concept of data and, and, and healthcare data and how it's being used and aggregated, that's a, like a topic that is so huge and, and um, you know, I, it, 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 as we talk more and more about sort of the risk of having data breached, once it starts to be used for intelligence purposes to maybe help try to, you know, drive population health movements or, 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 or changes or used for pharmaceutical reasons or, you know, that sort of thing, that's when I think people will start to associate that the personal health data could be certainly identified with themselves. But um, anytime when I hear about breach of data, I think it's right now people are just concerned about, you know, they'll get my social security number and maybe, you know, maybe other information that they can steal my identity. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, that just then lumps it in with every other data breach that you hear about. So it's not really clinically focused. Um, But yeah, I think that's a, that's always a basic concern. That's a good point. Right. I mean, I, and the article says, you know, the, this year should have been a wake-up call for everybody. Um, we're not spending enough on the problem, don't have a handle on it. But I would say that, you know, th- this whole year, 2015 and probably 2016, will be a year for all kind of data breaches. We're going to continue to see more and more people getting into data and, and compromising that data. Um, and it's not only like China or, you know, other overseas countries that are doing it, I think that that certainly is a whole lucrative, um, you know, well, lucrative maybe isn't the right word, but, a, 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 you know, a, a certainly a target of a lot of hackers and people to get to compromise that information because there's a lot of, a lot of you know, opportunities to be had if you want to use that data in a malicious way. You know? Yeah, well, and I think um, 
the, the reason that you don't see a lot of um, healthcare systems or, or really doing anything um, prior to the, the breach or hack is because to that point is, you know, what, I don't think anyone understands what's trying to be done with that information or, or to, you know, so I agree with you guys on that point as well. What are the consequences? Um, you know, what's really hard to, to, to do is invest in something that, um, you know, something like that to prevent, you know, it's always right the case. We're going to, you know, especially in you, I, I know I've heard a lot on the podcast and just in talking to you guys about how slow, um, healthcare can be to get with the times. Um, and so yep. to me that, it, it, you know, I, I don't really know what to be concerned about. It doesn't keep me up at night myself. Um, but it is interesting, you know, I think we're in, entering into now a new era of, um, you know, rather than like a cold war or that kind of thing, it's now a cyber war, right? Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. So I'm not going to, sorry, I'm not going to spin this into some weird uh, <laughs> opinion or, or It just, rem- can I interject? It just reminded me over Christmas dinner, my mother says, where is this dark internet and how do I get to it? <laughs> my mother, 73 year old lady who only owns an iPad. That's <laughs> she awesome. wants to get on the dark internet now. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Dana. You no, no, no. But I think the final point was, or my conclusion was that, um, you know, we're, I think we're always going to be behind it a little bit until something to close yeah. actual point until something is like targets credit card breach or like this yeah. thing is until it really hits, you know, that's where it hurts. It's it's just kind of make believe because yeah, I see that. I'm like, oh, okay, well, right. yeah. What did they find out? They found out which doctor you go to. Ooh, you know, <laughs> right? Exactly, exactly. Right. I think I, yeah. <laughs> well, and I, that ties into the last thing that I kind of found from this article, which is uh, they said you know the topic of quality and safety is because yeah. of the top search things. And I think that the reason why it is, and um, it's not a top search thing. That's not what you mean. Well, yeah, uh, the reason, but the reason why it's one of the, the one of the, the hot topics is because right. it's, it's tied to compensation, honestly, that's right. <laughs> you know, and, and that's where you're going to see most movement in health systems, you know, going through, I remember the, um, what the meaningful use to that was last year, right? Meaningful two deadline in order to make that, that hit of meaningful use two, um, you know, and, and get a certain kind of financial contribution from the government or financial reimbursement from the government that becomes like the, the main driver. And so quality and safety is now one of those topics that many people are concerned about. And also, you know, they say here hospitals and physicians are protesting um, quality measures because it's now being used to, uh, to, to tie into the reimbursement calculations yeah nobody likes to be held accountable it's just human nature i mean every time i see these i just i don't know i mean maybe this is beating me down over time and it's going to make me feel like be on their side but you know hospital it says hospitals and physicians continue to protest the profusion of questionable quality measures used to rate and financially penalize providers so first of all that sentence is full of subjectivity so yeah questionable qualifying quality measures using the verb penalize um you know the quote is wherever i go people complain about the burden of measurement (laughs) yeah they don't want to be held accountable that is the burden of measurement like i'd rather people not watch over my shoulder and see whether i'm good or not 
I'd rather them just take my word for it. And so, I don't know, maybe that's just way too black and white to way to look at it. Um, but I just, it just bothers me when there's, when it's, to me, it is not like, how do we make this better? It's more about, you know, the burden of measurement. Um, I don't know. It just, I, every time I see this kind of stuff, it gets my hackles up. Like when there was well, one, I don't, I don't, Dana, you might've been part of this podcast. It was maybe a year ago where I just went off on this doctor who was just like whining. Yeah. Like, Dude, stop already. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I, it is funny. Um, you're right. People don't want to be held accountable or be measured. But, you know, what was interesting about this, though, is, and, and this is being in the hospital system for so long, the amount of money that is at stake is, is pretty significant. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and they said here that only a quarter of the 3,400 hospitals avoided um, um, a Medicare penalties for high rates of preventable readmissions. Um, which is great. So what is the, what's the rest of the sentence say? Renewing concerns about that metric. Well, maybe we shouldn't measure that then. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Right. I mean, come on. Oh my gosh. Look at all these people being readmitted for infection. Boy, we shouldn't be measuring that. <laughs> well, That's we, the thing to measure. Only a quarter of us actually hit it. So maybe we shouldn't measure that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know. I mean, I know what their point is. Yeah. Um, and I also know that this isn't a perfect science and there's things that happen and, um, but boy, I cut you off, boy. Sorry. I just made No, I just, I mean, honestly, you know, for, for some of the large systems that I was working with there, there, this is millions of dollars at stake to be able to measure and show performance and show improvements on performance of your quality and your safety metrics. Oh, and, you know, and I mean, I mean, that is, a, that is something you can't really ignore. And I think that, you know, two different ways you can complain about it. Like a lot of these people do in, in, in the media, but um, the other way is to actually, you know, ch- uh, review and, and improve your, your, your internal systems. And, I, th- I see a lot of health systems actually doing that, actually putting money into the infrastructure, not more, more than just the electronic medical record, you know, like a electronic data warehouses and, and being able to do business intelligence and actually do, you know, um, develop ways, you know, and this ties in the population health initiative. So I, I see that there's a positiveness or positivity, I should say, to the quality and safety uh, being, being so hard to, uh, you know, hard bar for them to hit because, I think that in many cases they are trying to, to address that and complaining at the same time. I just added something. I just added a trend for 2016. We'll get to it in a little bit. Okay. Um, the last thing on this story was that was one of mine too, that I was going to harp on and also the value-based payment and how that's shifting and how CMS has announced it by um, 2018, the amount see it would increase the amount of non-managed care spending in value-based contracts to 50%. That's kind of hard to parse. I don't know what those qualifiers mean exactly. So how, I mean, I don't know if the, how big a deal that is when it says the amount of non-managed care spending in value-based contracts. So in other words, they're, they're going to have 50% of contracts will be value-based for non-managed care. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. Non-managed care spending? Is yeah. that what you're- it's yeah. qualifying the spending as not right. care, which I don't quite get. Um, well, managed care spending is, um, it's, 
I, I understand managed care to be, you know, how, um, how to provide services within sort of like a, a, a network or a structure of that includes, um, you know, health, uh, health, let's see. I'm, well, I mean, medic, what I don't understand is Medicare is managed care. Right. So stuck. I don't understand what they mean, or maybe it's, uh, yeah, I might be having a senior moment, but I don't get it. Like, What's the difference between non-managed care and managed care spending within Medicare? Wouldn't it all be managed care? So that's what I mean. I don't know if you know, like, I don't know what the impact of that would be because I don't know how big non-managed care is as the percentage of all spending for Medicare. Right. Or even what the hell it means. I'm no help. <laughs> I know. Well, that is a very specific. I'm trying to. I'm. I'm actually researching as we speak. Okay. Maybe that's not the appropriate thing to do. We'll have to definitely. Well, no, it'd be like actually learning something on this show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not while, while we're talking about this, but um, you know what? What that actual term, non-managed healthcare spending. What what does that actually refer to? And, and in this particular context, context. Right. It is very specific. That's for sure. But um, yeah, no help here either. Okay. So let's talk about, um, let's see if we can come up with top stories for 2015 from a hospital and health system marketing perspective, but taking it down to that level. um, I have three of them here. So looking back into 2015, um, these are not meant to be all inclusive or um, comprehensive in nature. Just three I came up with. So the first one is physician ratings online. That just is booming now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's that's a it's going to be saturated within three years. Uh, but this was the year I think people just it really even though I think it began when was the University of Utah when did they launch was it fourteen Boyer I think so yeah it was in twenty fourteen and Piedmont just launched maybe this year I mean so it, it, it's not like there's a ton of people out there doing it but right. now everybody's talking about it so that's one. The second is I think marketing automation finally broke through this year as an understood and pursued strategy for hospitals and health systems. Mm-hmm. Still doesn't mean most of them are using it. Still doesn't mean it's, you know, it's certainly not even reached the adoption rate of CRM, which by itself is lower than it should be. Um, right. It's a little more accessible than CRM, um, though if you do it right, you actually need CRM. So that will, it's going to hit a ceiling at that point. But mm-hmm. And then I would also say the growth of provider-sponsored health plans, networks, and affiliations. Um, that's been going on for a number of years, but it's starting to finally seep into the marketing suite in terms of, oh my gosh, we have to go out there and promote this plan. Uh, we have to understand how this affiliation is actually going to service in the market and how we go out there and, and juggle multiple brands or a network brand and you know that's affiliated with two other brands or three other brands. Um, that's been going on for a while, but um, it seems to be reaching a crescendo uh, this year in terms of the people that we talk to, Boyer, the CMOs and the VPs of marketing uh, and what they're dealing with. So those are the three that I had. You got anything to add, Chris or Dana? Yeah. One, one that I have is I think that we're going to see an ongoing um, trend towards unique partnerships and um, it's uh, either 
unique relationships of healthcare, um, the way they're providing healthcare in different markets. So that could be um, partnerships between commercial entities and non-commercial entities, you know, in hospitals. Um, more and more of a uh, of a drive towards that. Um, I think that we're also we're also probably going to see you know partnerships among formerly competitive hospitals that are now starting to work. Wait, together. are you talking about 2016 or are you talking about 2015? I'm talking looking forward. I think we're going to see no. more of that. We're still in the past, man. You got to be oh. stuck in the past. Top stories of 2015. Oh, of 15. Oh, um, well, CRM and, and marketing automation, personalized marketing is certainly one that is, you know, some some top stories that that I think that we're seeing. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't necessarily say marketing automation. I still still think that more people are starting to understand that, but um, understanding it and actually implementing it is two two separate things. You know, mm-hmm. as we. Um, uh, you know, and I, and um, so uh, I, th- I still think that people are starting to grasp that. I'm also starting to see that people are really starting to look at their, and of course I have a digital lens, but they're looking at their website in a completely different way. Whereas before it was, you know, just a, a, a brochure or a great way to highlight their marketing differences. Um, the more of the people that I talk to now, they see their website as a critical part of a lot of different um, things that's past marketing. It's getting more into patient experience um, and also, you know, into operations, certainly. I, I see that from the people that we talk to, the, the CMOs that we talk to. Um, you know, in terms of other, other trends, even though we just talked about people don't like to be measured, I think measurement is certainly something that people are spending more and more time on and trying to get more nuanced in uh, 2015, uh, measuring their efforts and what they do. ROI, I've heard it more times, you know, um, last year than I have any previous year before when it comes to marketing and PR. Mm -hmm. Good. Dana, you got anything to add to that? I was going to say the website um, felt like I've heard a lot of um, information on that and and yeah, exactly what Chris said there. But um, the only other thing that stood out to me a little bit was I felt like an overall, so this may kind of, fit into a few pieces, but the overall patient experience and, and kind of even the physical experience that they're getting when they walk through the door. So the waiting room and like, just really, I think that's something that feels very 2015 thinking about the, um, the design and, and those types of things I felt like were a lot more, um, at least in, in some articles I was reading and, and different, uh, people trying to get into that of, of, you know, how we're realizing people are sitting in the waiting room. How can we, how can we get, um, and it, maybe that ties right back into that measurement. They were probably, you know, just trying to solve mm-hmm. a problem there, but I thought that was something that I saw um, a good amount in 2015. Yeah. I'd agree with that too, Dana. I think we, we see the increase in the use of titles that that are, reflective of consumer or experience in the marketing area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a direct result of what you're talking about of people, you know, broadening the correctly broadening the definition and, a, and application of marketing to, you know, one of the four P's, which is product. And in our world, that means, you know, the experience that consumers and patients have. So mm-hmm. um, I would agree. I think that's something we saw in 2015. Mm-hmm. Bor, you got anything for two thousand? I've got a couple things for two thousand sixteen. Well, I mentioned one. I mentioned one already, so uh, mistake. You want to re-mention it? Uh, yeah. Well, so you know the 
the new the new different types of partnerships and um, acquisitions and you know uh, ways that organizations are going to there's been definitely a creative trend um, towards how do we serve care and what's the best way financially and also feasibly to provide service to a certain market um, and so you know hospitals that are partnering together when they were previously competitors. I see that a lot. It happened a lot in, in New York last year, and we're going to see it happen more and more in, in weird in different industries. Partnering with commercial industries, you, you know, past like the CVS, Walmart, um, you know, Target kind of partnerships, we're going to start to probably. Uh, I see you know probably care being delivered much more on a commercial side as well. So you know um, that could be that could be you know on-site clinics that are being developed at large you know employment facilities that are sponsored by healthcare systems, that sort of thing. I, I think that we're going to see more of that. Um, and then the other one is kind of tied on that I saw was actually kind of tied on to your point, Dana, which you mentioned about the patient experience when you're, you know, what that experience looks like. I'm really seeing a movement in, in a lot of, uh, a lot of indicators that say that user design is going to, and that's big D design, not like just like, you know, digital user design, but the, the whole experience of the patient, that's going to start to become a very big niche for people because that's going to provide a differentiator. And I think that we're going to see a lot of outside industries come into the space and provide consulting around that where they've been similar to what they've been doing from a patient experience perspective. It's going to be also how do we improve, you know, not only the, the experience, but the flow and, and our systems and everything that we touch, sort of the multidisciplinary touches that you have through that whole patient experience. And so you, we're probably going to start to see outsiders. I, I've seen it already, actually, where outsiders are coming in that have experience doing this for retail locations, for other locations, coming in now and, and really doing an analysis of, you know, the, not only the the way the, the 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 waiting room looks, but also how you know the people interact with those people and are uh, the the people there that you know talk, how they talk, and the systems and tools that are there. So it's going to be kind of a, a very progressive approach. Anyway, that's what I see. Wow, those are deep. That's pretty deep. I have I had one which is, you already mentioned this, Boyer, and I think you've talked about it before, but I think we're going to see uh, the, the battle lines drawn for data within hospitals and health systems in terms of how, they're gonna, how it's going to be leveraged, who can leverage it. Uh, marketing is just starting to understand the potential for using uh, data at a higher level, big data, I'll say. Uh, of course, some systems have been, have been leveraging big data for a number of years, but across the industry, the idea of using your patient information file or purchase consumer data or data received from marketing efforts and how you can use those to uh, pursue your marketing goals or population health management and who owns that data internally. Is it, is it marketing? Is it IT? Is it somebody else? Uh, I think we're going to see an increase in that and then the other one I just wrote down as we were talking, and this is not marketing necessarily, um, I think we're going to start seeing stories about fraud and misreporting of quality and patient satisfaction data. Mm. So to Boyer's point, you know, the reason why people are, you know, it's understandable that nobody wants to be held accountable because, you know, you actually have to show that you're doing the right things. But also it's really starting to hit the financial, the bottom line, both for individuals, uh, but for organizations as a whole. And as that increases, there's going to be more and more pressure to uh, do the wrong thing. 
And so I think that's, I think that's something that we haven't heard a lot about. Uh, but I will, you know, I could almost bet money that at some point in the next few months or half a year, we're going to see our first story of a hospital health system that's misreported data uh, intentionally to avoid or to gain financially um, from quality or other metrics that are out there. It's inevitable. Mm-hmm. I don't see how it can't happen. That's true. That's true. All right. That's a, that's a really good point, actually. Sorry, just when you that's right. when we started talking about that, um, when they started holding teachers accountable for test right. scores, right? Instantly, corruption. <laughs> Right. So yeah, they cheated. They gave the students. They gave students the answers. Yep. Right. Right. Yeah. So there's no reason to think that it won't take place in this world too. Yeah. So anyway, so that was I just popped out at me when you said yeah, that. Yeah, so. for sure. Okay. Um, cool. So do we want to wrap up by doing what we set out to do in the first place, which was kind of explore the zeitgeist a little bit? Yes. We can try to talk about healthcare, but there's really we go through this every year. There's very little, at least in this version that I'm looking at. Um, <laughs> related to healthcare. I mean, they're just, there's dis- somewhere we found diseases, right? Or symptoms. So, yeah. Symptoms. Yeah. So for, if, symptoms, which I thought was interesting here. on that one. If I can jump in on that one really quick, the number 10 symptom was lactose intolerance. So, so wow. 2015. Yeah. For 2015. So yeah. So, uh, you know, these were most search terms, right? Or I so guess people are looking for symptoms of these things because none of these are symptoms. Yes. Right. Right. Okay. So, I mean, the typical one, flu is at the top, measles, um, listeria. Gallbladder infection? Gallbladder infection, right. Number two, that's not typical, is it? I think that's a weird one to be number two. And I don't know what number eight is. Does anybody know number eight? Yeah, what is H. pylori? Hmm. H. pylori infection. I mean, the type of bacteria germs can enter your body and live in your digestive tract. So wow. it also causes ulcers. Helicopter pylori. Yeah. That's the H and H pylori? It stands for helic no, it's helicobacter. Yeah. Pylori. It just looks like helicopter. Yeah. Helicobacter. It's more prevalent in developing countries and incidence in is decreasing in Western countries. What is it though? Is it what Dana said? Yeah, it is what Dana said, yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, bacteria found in the stomach. Well, bacteria is in the every, bacteria lives in the stomach. It's kind of interesting. You can dig in and see like it's really weird. It's trend like it started. It started trending in like March, beginning of March, two thousand fifteen, and spiked all the way to June, and then it just fell off the map. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't anything, and then it like so it fell off the map as of June twenty eighth. And then it picked up again in July 26th and spiked. That's and weird. Map. That's weird. That was a very strange trend. I guess the the reason it seems that people maybe were looking at it is that it's some it's it can eventually be a type of stomach cancer. So I don't know if that's. It must have been in the news, like somebody yeah. suffered from it or something. Yeah, probably. It'd be interesting to study the searches for symptoms of anxiety attack and see if there's any kind of like clinical correlation between the time of year and incidence of anxiety attack. 
You know, this is interesting. This reminds me of an article that I read about how Google, and um, I, I didn't prepare for this, this um, podcast, but Google is starting to monitor mental health and trying to, trying to have a better understanding of how people use the internet and um, under different types of mental, you know, trying to use it as like sort of how they search as a, a, a predicator for their mental health, which is really interesting. But that's a topic for another podcast, but you're right. I mean, that would be, uh, that, w- that would be kind of interesting to see what you said. But. So this is really curious to me to keep building on that. Without looking at you guys, Tell me what you, each of you get to guess what you think the number one metropolitan area is for anxiety attack searches. New York City. Okay. I, I saw. Oh, you cheater. New York, is, New York is number five, Boyer. Oh, really? Washington is number four. Chicago is number three. So you're talking basically about size of size of city los angeles is number two number one dallas fort worth really what's that about now that's a metropolitan area dallas is only third on the actual city list atlanta is number one Hmm. anyway i just think that's interesting what else we got in the in the symptoms thing anything else we want to pick on um Heat stroke, uh, you know, not surprisingly, when you look at that, the search, that it um, it rises so high in the summertime. But uh, <laughs> I'm surprised it actually made breaking news. I know, but I'm surprised it actually made the top, you know, searches for symptoms, top trending. Global warming. Yeah, no. maybe, there you go. Maybe in Nashville, I know they're searching for it this month. Yeah, heat stroke. <laughs> What about the other one, which was... Um, flu. The number one state interested in flu is South Dakota. Yeah. That's weird. That is interesting. They must have had a flu outbreak or something. Minneapolis was third of cities. Louisville was number one. Nashville was fourth. Interesting. How about we yes. jump to the, the calorie search one, which I find to be the funniest. <laughs> Which is, it's, that's just a weird, like, trend to even include in here. I know, but I think it's great that they actually included it. Like, people searching for calories, calorie counts on certain things. Um, I'm trying to get would, there. Okay. Well, yeah, because number I don't even understand what these are. Okay, so, like, these are actually products, I guess, that they're trying to track what the calorie count is in these products. What's Palm Breeze? Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so let's, let's go through the list. Number one is toasted graham latte. Which, Come on. How is both, that the number one search term in terms of calories? sounds delicious, but who does that? Who, who has a toasted graham latte? What company? Is that? Is that That's what I was curious. And it only is in October, it looks, or whatever. It's like it, was, it came out, must have came out September. Let's see. But yet it hit number one. Yeah, now, September. You got to remember how these trends work. These trends are um, not as straightforward. We've been through this before in the podcast. This does not mean the number, like if you totaled searches, that's not what this is. It has to do with um, like how far it went up from where it was. Oh, so there's like. Did you see okay. what I'm saying? Like this. So it's like believe, Delta. The Delta. It's the Delta. Google Trends is not the total. Like there, this is not saying that more people search for calories related to toast and gram latte in 2015 than any other thing. 
it's just, yeah, to your point, Dana, it spikes in October. And because of that spike, um, that's what made it number one. Though I don't even know if I'm reading this right, right? Because it looks like it only had a hundred, a hundred searches. Yeah, it's like what, what is it? Oh, that's just the, that's the that's the hundred is like the top. Oh, they just flat. They just yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's not even a volume search volume to show results in terms of what the query. Well, it sounds delicious though. It's Starbucks, and it sounds like it must have just been like a yeah, a like quick, a holiday one. Yeah, but here's here's what they describe it to be. Graham and sweet cream meet steamed milk and our signature espresso and are finished off with a sprinkling of cinnamon graham crumbles for a less sweet, perfect treat. There you go. And there's uh, 300 calories in a grande size, just so you know. Number two is Palm Breeze. And Bevelo, you asked, Chris, you asked what, what that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's, it looks like it's the, a... Um, it's an alcoholic. It's like a wine. So it comes in a can. It's like a wine. Cooler. Or my my cards. Yeah. Kind of right. Yeah. It's like uh, yeah. So. So it's it's yeah. It's kind of like a Mike Mike's hard lemonade or something like that. But that's what it is. Palm breeze. It's a millennial. It's a millennial product, by the way. Mike's hard lemonade targets millennial women, with the palm breeze spritz. Says an article published on Market Watch. So, yep, some good stuff in here. Grilled I think stuff. It's funny, nachos. some of the ones like stuff. yeah, the nachos like S T U F T. Who does grilled stuffed nachos? Now I have to see who who does these things. Look how it's spelled. I know that must be Taco Bell, right? That's a thing. But if you're eating that Taco Bell, I'm surprised that you're concerned. Yeah. <laughs> Little Caesars bacon wrapped deep dish pizza. Yeah. Good Lord. <laughs> I well, at least people are searching for that. What do you think? The what did, did you guys see? What the number one beer was that was searched for last year was Budweiser. It is a Bud product. I'm not yes. looking. I saw to get... it. It's Bud Light Mixtail. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. Bud Light Mixtail is what it is. Apparently that's um, it's it's a Bud Light and it's like mixed with something. It's like mixed with like a, a drink of some sort. I'm not or like a lemonade or I'm not really sure what it is. Yeah, it's, okay. uh, that's what people like the most. All right, we're gonna go off healthcare now. Just do a couple fun ones. What <laughs> is dot dot dot? So the, oh. the top answers are, what is zero divided by zero? Nice. What is Ashley Madison? Okay. Stop me if you don't know what one of these is. What is a Buckeye? What is the Charlie Charlie Challenge? I don't know what that is. I don't either. Oh, Charlie Charlie Challenge. I know what that is. Um, this was actually related to a movie. It was a viral movie. It was a movie that they created a viral campaign that actually got media attention that says kids are at in – junior high and high school are doing this thing called the Charlie Charlie challenge, which basically is to bring out a demon of some sort. And it was like a big concern and it actually hit the trending news and it ended up being tied to a uh, um, viral video that was promoting a, um, um, a movie about the Charlie Charlie challenge, which wasn't, it wasn't even real. Hmm. So 
All right, then. What is a lunar eclipse? What is Ebola? What is ISIS? What is Red Nose Day? Anybody? I don't know what that is, no. What is a blue moon and what is Listeria? Boy, Listeria makes another appearance. <laughs> Listeria is at the top of everyone's... everyone's <laughs> so isn't Red Nose Day, um, that's a charitable thing. Oh, um, yeah, it is. I assume, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, Where they wear a red nose. Mm-hmm. And now I'm looking, now I'm Googling it, just so I know. That's it, right, though. There is, it's a huge, I remember seeing a bunch of tweets about that. Everyone was going. It's out. about ending poverty. Yeah. And red nose, so. All right. Any, is there any, any of these that are interesting to you guys? Any of these topics? Um, I like the trending selfies. Who do you think the number one trending selfie was? I saw it, so I won't guess. Danny, did you see? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you the top five. Malia Obama was number one. Okay. Miss Lebanon was number two. Al Roker was number three. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Bald Eagle was number four. And Anna Kendrick was number five. So okay. what is that measuring? The most popular, like if you're searching for a selfie, you'd enter their name in selfie, I assume. That is odd that a bald eagle would be in the top five. And I, this, bald eagle. Least, this makes you want to so, type in the words. Maybe I'm, I'm contributing to the problem here. Um, but bald eagle selfie. Brothers right? posed with birds they rescued. Oh, you know what? We had our own Mark Willis do that. Yeah. It wasn't a bald eagle, but I guess, it was I guess a pelican, that's the thing, right? Yeah. It's become an internet meme. A bald eagle selfie is becoming an internet meme. Okay. You know, I guess I did see a few Facebook posts on that, but gosh, I think it's a top five. Incredible. There you go. All right. All right. Yeah. What a year. It's been, it's, been a, it's been a year. It's been a year. We're almost on to the next one. Any, any final thoughts on 2015 before we sign What's off? What's going to be the number one 2016 TV show, in your opinion? Like by search or by... No, by no, just, <laughs> just to watch. What do people need to watch 2016? Oh, are we getting, or is that what we're doing, 2016? All right. Um, I put you on the spot. I'm going to say leftovers. You're going to say it's just because it's like a sleeper hit or like it's one that should be watched or something. It's definitely I, not going to be the most watched, but if I you're the most watched, it's going to be show, like Game of Thrones or, or Walking Dead is probably going to be the most watched. But if you want to say which one should be watched, I think that this also, we're going to start to see more and more of like Netflix and uh, <laughs> Amazon plot yeah. prime shows. Dana, up. you're a, you're a Bill Simmons guy, right? Yeah. Have you been yeah. listening when every, so Boyer, I'm branching off of your comment there. There's there's a podcast by a guy that we love called the sports guy, Bill Simmons. And he has a guest on his cousin, Sal, who's a comedy writer, I think for one of the late night guys. And they've got this running bit through the podcast where they're like, Hey, Oh, did you hear about the new show on Spotify called scissors in hand? And then they'll just make up some ridiculous, (laughs) but the whole point of it is they keep adding different, formats or media sources where the shows are yeah so it'll be like hey my electronic pen has a new tv show starting <laughs> week and because it's just so many different places you can watch tv shows now 
yeah, to your right. point, right? I mean, right. it's Amazon, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Have you heard any of that, Dana? Uh, I haven't. I'm so far behind on this podcast. Right? I, I was listening to um, it on a drive, but then my two-year-old takes over most of the the ability to. Oh, to, yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty far behind, but he. 2016 is his debut of this actual HBO show, right? Am I right on that? Yeah. Yeah. So that I'm excited. That's what I was going to say that is least exciting to look mm-hmm. for um, his kind oh, of, yeah. I think that's going to be huge. He's, he's so on it right now. He's just like the, mo- to me is one of the most relevant uh, sports guys right now. So I'm excited for that. Cool. He's taking all his buddies from, uh, from his previous uh, stuff, and they're all coming with him. So I'm pretty excited. So yep. is that your most watched show, Dana? You're gonna no, say? I don't think it'll be the most watched, but I think it'll be, yes, I will try to watch it. It'll be your most watched. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all, right, all right, cool. All right. We'll cool. have to watch those shows. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining on this year-end special. Happy New Year. Yeah. Merry New Year. <laughs> we are moving you guys can't quote you don't know the quote do you no dana i'm worthless sorry trading places you ever seen trading places oh man yeah merry new year <laughs> all right for the healthcare marketing podcast underground this is chris bevelo <laughs> and chris boyer dana weymouth talk to you next year bye, bye.